Welcome to PTG TV. This is your host, Antonio Higgs, aka Escaping the Matrix. On this week's episode of Real Talk and Conversation with today's candidates, I'm here to introduce candidate Tony Gordon Roberts. Tony Roberts is a life member of Sigma Gamma Rho and a candidate for Southeastern Region Undergraduate Chapter Coordinator. She was inducted into Sigma Gamma Rho Sorority Incorporated at Lane College Alpha Gamma Chapter on March 26, 1995. Currently, Tony serves as a Georgia Area Coordinator, a QPR trainer, torch trainer, a member of the Disciplinary Action Committee and Southeastern Region Chaplain Committee. Tony is a member of the IOTA Zeta Sigma Alumni Chapter, where she served as a local Basalius, anti-Basalius, Grammatus, and anti-Grammatus. She earned a Bachelor of Science degree cum laude from Lane College and a paralegal certification from Georgia State University. Stay tuned for the interview coming up. So welcome, everybody, to an episode of Real Talk and Conversations with Antonio Hicks for PTG TV. For those who don't understand the acronym, it's politics, takes and games. And I know people say, OK, well, you know, it's kind of cartoonish with my uh, background, but I believe as a former candidate for Congressional District 4 and my time in politics and my time in IT that the system has us all working in conjunction together. So it's one big game. So that's the whole purpose of PTG TV to talk about today's politics, technology and gaming, how we're introduced into one another and how we all are being used in the system of society's changes. And we all should be using it for us as opposed to the government using it against us. So today, today, my candidates of choice today is Ms. Tony Roberts. She is running for, well, I'll let you do the introduction. Well, good morning. Thank you for having me, um, Mr. Hicks. I am Tony Gordon Roberts, and I am a candidate for undergraduate chapter coordinator for the sophisticated Southeastern region, Sigma Gamma Rho Sorority Incorporated. So welcome to the show. Thank you, Thank you for taking my invite. I'm glad that you came on. Now, this, I will say this is my first time talking to somebody dealing with a uh, sisterhood and a campaign for a sisterhood. So I so really, when you're talking, I'm asking you questions. You're going to be educating me. Okay. Because right. I have a lot of people and family members and cousins that's in, uh, like I said before, I don't want to say fraternities, but brother and sisterhoods. Okay. But I never understood their whole campaign process that's in there to get you up to certain levels. So. I guess I guess first and foremost, for anybody, people that know me and people that have known me in my campaign trail, I like to understand who people are. So my I guess my question for you is, you know, who are you? Like, tell us a little bit about who you are, how your family's doing in this time of crisis where everybody's being at home. So I like to, I'm a caring person, too. So I like to make sure that you have your own mental health and your well-being taken care of on top of, you know, you know, who are you? Are you as an individual and, and what's inspiring you to do what you're doing? Well, I am originally from Chicago, born and bred. I left Chicago in 92 to go to college. So I am alumni of Lane College, Jackson, Tennessee. I have two daughters, Ashley Hill, who is my neighbor. She actually lives across the street. She's a new mom. She is a current student at Georgia State University. She's a new wife and she's my new sorority sister. So as of spring 2020, she became a member of my organization. I also have a graduating senior. Amber is 17 and she's graduating from Grayson High School next Saturday virtually. And so um, they have been very supportive of me during this campaign for undergraduate chapter coordinator. For as far as our mental health is concerned, the sorority has done an excellent job to um, give us the necessary tools to make sure that we are successful during this time. So <clears throat> I've reconnect it with myself to figure out what that looks like, take time to pull back 
and just assess the situation. So the understanding that I don't need to be outside every day is safer for me to be inside. And it's okay because I am a full time paralegal for a um, for a extended stay hotel um, firm. And our corporate office is here in Atlanta. So that's my full-time job, Monday through Friday from 8 to 4. I am the corporate paralegal and the customer service manager. So I have a dual role there. So that kind of keeps me busy. So I am attached to my phone all the time. Mm -hmm. In addition to that, I have been a server at Chili's for 13 years. I do that because it gives me the opportunity, A, to um, be mobile. So I get my exercise in, you know, I get over uh, 13,000 steps in a shift. Wow. It kind of keeps me moving from that standpoint. But I love the the service of it. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, you know, I'm offended, you know, given whoever the customer is, they can say things that are offensive. But on the flip side, I really do enjoy it. And it is the longest job that I've ever had. But it is the most fulfilling job that I have had for an employer. So it kind of keeps me grounded. And so I absolutely love it. I go because I like it. So um, Chili's is making sure that we're safe. We're wearing masks. We're um, disinfecting the areas around us, making sure we wear gloves. Um, we wash. We have to wash hands, you know, stop, freeze. Everybody wash your hands. And so it's like a, like a choo-choo train mm -hmm. just to make sure that, you know, we're being safe for our customers. But um, as far as my company, we quarantined about eight weeks ago. So as soon as it hit, the company was like, let's, you know, let's go home and let's figure out what that looks like. So our new normal is working from home until um, my company believes that it's safe for us to go back into the office. When we do go back into the office, we'll be staggered in. So we, everybody won't be full force. So we'll bring in by department uh, various days, various times. So both of my companies have been very active to make sure that we are keeping ourselves safe as well as the sorority, which is my what I consider my free job. We're um, making sure that we're safe. We're reconnecting with one another. We're doing everything virtual now. We have not met in person for a local meeting or our regional meetings. Our national meeting is slated for July. That, too, will be virtual. So it's, a, it's our new norm, making sure that I reconnect with myself, learning to color with crayons and colored pencils again. I've done puzzles. I've done um, crossword puzzles. I've learned how to do Sudoku. 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 Yeah, that it was a little <laughs> difficult, but my 17-year-old taught me that. I have binge watched on plenty of shows because my normal life does not allow for television. It does not right. allow for the the sedentary things of life, but I've, it's my new normal. So I've reconnected with myself to figure out what that is that Tony likes and what is it is that keeps Tony calm. And let's do those things. And see, that's a good thing. I'm glad you said that because that's one of the biggest things that I talked about, even when I had uh, Ladino on a while back, is that even during this time, I think it's for a purpose, this pandemic, not when it comes with the death aspect of it, because my heart does go out to anybody that's been sick, those who have recovered from, it, and especially those whose new norm now is having a family member that's, that's passed away and going on. And But I think, though, I think it was time for a reset us as a people, not just minorities and anybody, just all of us as a people because, especially in the Atlanta area. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, I haven't, I haven't traveled across the world, but I know my whole time here in the Atlanta area is chaotic. 285 is one big circle. 
And Monday through Friday, everybody complains about the traffic on 285, on 20, on 85, on 475, on 75, 400. Traffic is just bad here. It's nonstop. And me, myself personally, like I work in Alpharetta so we, and I would live in Loganville. So it takes me an hour and a half to get to work. And if it's raining outside, it's two hours. So during this time of pandemic, I think and my recommendation for everybody has been like you just said, sit back, find out who you are. Find out if the, if the job that you work in is something that you complain about all the time. Is there something else that you want to do? Mm-hmm. Maybe your passion has been in something else, but you never had time for your brain to rest for you to find out what that something else was because we're so fat. We're in a fast paced society and we're programmed to get up every day, which is not a bad thing to get up and go to work. And right. then you got, if you got family, you got to come on and take care of the family. So when do you have time to find a hobby that you like doing something else that you're passionate about that you can do outside of being stuck on your regular eight to five Monday through Friday? Right. And then you need that that mental health of well-being where you just need to veg out sometimes. Right. Sometimes you do need just Netflix and chill with yourself. Yes. Sometimes yes. you have to sit down, do a, a meditation and just calm your mind down so you can, you know, relax your body and get your energy and stuff back into check so you can take better care of yourself. Because a lot of problems that we have been having is the fact that a lot of us don't eat right. And some of us don't eat right because in fact we, we rush into the job. So we don't have time to p- properly prepare meals and stuff. And then we, when we get home, we don't have enough time to do any exercise. It was out. Okay. Audio's back. Okay. I'm like, I said, thank you for being the first spun. If you didn't hear that, because a lot of people before this whole pandemic started, they downplayed those servers. They downplayed people working in grocery stores. They downplayed delivery guys. But now that we're forced to stay at home and they're dependent upon those very people, they see how important those jobs are. Absolutely. And then also shout out to your teenager, because I have an 18 year old that's supposed to be graduating. (laughs) Yes. And is now for him, it's like, okay, he missed out on, like everybody missed out on the proms. You miss out on all the senior stuff. He plays in uh, orchestra. So he didn't get to do his orchestra thing for like all the graduated seniors and get recognized through that. He runs track. Him and my, my youngest son runs track. And he didn't chance runs track. So, and now the whole ceremony, yours is virtual. Now they're, they're still talking about doing a physical one, but they're talking about doing it like in late July, early August. Yeah, we too. But even still, you know, like you said, you finished the first stage of your journey. And just so just take recognition in that and just understand you still got more milestones to celebrate after today. Absolutely. And that, that's been my thing for Amber. Her school has done an, a tremendous job. I, I applaud Grayson High School for the effort because every day uh, so far this week we have received video. So every video has been different um, of different aspects of what that looks like. So Amber is in various clubs at the school. She plays lacrosse and she plays softball. For the sorority, she's in our mentoring program. And so the sorority has reached out, you know, to make sure that, you know, how are you doing? How is your mental, hang, you know, hanging in there? How much TV are you watching? Are you getting outside? Are you getting fresh air? So we're doing those things. We're taking bike rides. You know, we're taking walks around the subdivision. It's not ideal. Of course, you know, my, my same thing is I work in Sandy Springs for my first job, but I live in Loganville, too. My commute, that 90 minutes is serious. I, I am a complainer. Lord, this, this, this cannot take much long. I can't do this. Right. You know, it was very personal for me. So, you know, taking Amber to school, making sure she's where she's supposed to be and getting on the interstate, I was over it. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm grateful for the rest. And I agree with you totally because I am a Christian. I had to take a spin and say, what is it exactly? Lord, are you looking out of us? Because there has to be a reason that you allowed this to take place. So what am I supposed to learn about me? 
What am I supposed to learn about my environment? What am I supposed to be sitting back, relaxing and refocusing myself on? And so during this time of COVID-19, it has given me that opportunity to just relax and say, wait a minute, let's hit pause and let's reconnect and figure out what our real lives look like and place an important value on what's important. Mm -hmm. Going to work, I can do my job from home. I'm grateful to still receive my salary so I can pay for my home. But at the end of the day, I physically can do my job from home. So from that aspect, how important is it for me to be in an office? Let's think about that. You know, how, what is the importance? Like, how is it that important for me to leave out every day, sit in 90 minutes worth of traffic to complete a task that I can complete from home? So I think that's one of the things that we need to take, take into account that yes, this has happened and, you know, and I feel sorry and, and I'm empathetic with the people who uh, family members have passed away during this time, who has gotten sick, who does not have the healthcare that they necessarily need to make sure that they can get through this, the necessary resources to make sure that they are successful through this pandemic. But on the flip side, I am grateful for the pause and the reset button. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because you never know how something is until you take a moment to stop, look at it, and just receive it for what it has become. Face value. And then uh, congratulations again for being a grandmother. I saw I was telling you yesterday about your your, your beautiful little grandbaby, her pretty. I showed it to my wife. Those pretty eyes. <laughs> That's my rose. That's um, her name is Aubrey Rose, and Aubrey Rose is one. And she um, she and I. We um our number is forty three five. So I'm not a gambler in, in anything, but um she and I, we are forty five years apart in two days. So we we call each other forty five, forty five two, uh forty five three. So <laughs> she's a Capricorn like myself. Mm-hmm. She is a boss. She uh wants what she wants when she wants it, and she will not stop until she gets it. She's extremely focused for one. And so if she wants it, she's going to get it. If she gets in trouble, it's okay because I'm going to get it. And, <laughs> you know, it, it, it's funny to see. We have four generations right now. So my mom um, is still living. You have mm-hmm. me, you have Ashley. And so now you have Aubrey. So to see the four generations in one little person is amazing. I, um, it wasn't uh, what we consider perfect timing, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. You know, when Ashley got pregnant, because she was still in school, you know, she was a new wife and that kind of thing. So we was like, no, 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 you know, you got to wait, you got to do this, you know, it's because you, you have this picture in your mind of how things are supposed to progress at a certain time. Right. Aubrey shook things up. Uh, she shook things up seriously because Ashley has uh, umbilical cord endometriosis, mm-hmm. which means that she should not be having children. Well, the guy that I serve said that I'm bigger than that umbilical cord endometriosis. And so if this time, then let it let it be. And so we embraced Arby Rose when she got here. We were excited. Um, I am that mom that I'm going to get you no matter what. I fussed at Ashley from from the moment she told me she was pregnant until that baby got here. But I never missed the doctor's appointment. I never missed a sonogram. Nothing, never. Because that, that's Granny's baby. And mm-hmm. so when I see Aubrey Rose, we have this this connection. And she understands that that grandma's gonna be here. And so I don't go by, you know, the new the new terms of um uh glam mom and all that. I am granny. That's who yeah. I am, and I want you to understand that I am your grandmother and I will always be here no matter what that looks like. So when I see Rose trekking across the street, I go to the door and I hold my arms out and she comes running up the sidewalk because 
she started walking in eight or nine months. Wow. She has oh, yeah, not she's busy. stopped. Oh, she real busy. <laughs> she does not stop. So when Aubrey Rose comes across this street, grandma's ready to receive her. So I we we just love us some Aubrey Rose. This is Aubrey Rose room that I'm actually in. Um all her stuff should not be here. It should be across the street. However, we want to make sure that Aubrey is uh comfortable when she arrives. So, you know, half the room belongs to Aubrey. And half my refrigerator belongs to Aubrey because I don't eat pouches <laughs> and oh, yeah. pudding and all these other kind of things. But yeah, she she's been a blessing. Yeah, that's why I tell my uh, my wife because we haven't. So I like you, like you were going through one. I've already been through um, a divorce before, and my wife now we don't have any kids together, but we want to have one together. So I'm trying to prep her for all the things that has to take place with these children, having the bottles in the refrigerator, the applesauce, the cereal. I'm like, oh. (laughs) <laughs> to get back to that again. I'm like, that's going to be your job, not mine. Cause I'm like, I've served my time. I have served my time. You got to get in there feet first, tie your bootstraps up and get no, in there. No, 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 I've, I've done it. I can't and, like, do it. and like everybody saying, Oh, you starting over again. I said, like, well, I am, you know, mm-hmm. it's her first. And I'm like, you know, it's, I don't, most of my kids are grown. I got to eat. Nope. Okay. Here we go. Hey. Okay. All right. All right. So let's get into what made you join your sisterhood. Oh boy. Um, I was a new mother. So I had already had Ashley. Um, I had Ashley at the end of my freshman year at Lane College. So um, it was an emotional time. So I was like, oh my God, I'm a new mother. I'm a college student. So now to see it come full circle for my child to do the same thing that I did. So it's kind of like, oh my God. But um, I was invited to other organizations, um, informational meetings, because during that time you had to be invited to come to the informationals. So I went to two different ones. And when I saw the ladies of Sigma Amarillo, I had to think to myself, why does this look different to me? What is it different about this organization that I didn't see in the first two uh, informationals that I went to? The ladies at my school were in power positions. So whether they were in the dean's office, the academic office, the vice president's office, in the registrar's office, in the cafeteria, they were everywhere across my campus. And that, that kind of stuck out to me like, why are all these ladies in these positions at my school? And so the level of community service that I saw from those ladies, even though this was their job, the community service that they did outside of the campus stuck out to me. And so I didn't know anything about uh, Greek life. I didn't know anything about college. I was a first generation college student. So I had no ideas. I had nothing to compare it to. Mm -hmm. So going through the process, it didn't dawn on me that I had lived near Sigma Amaro's headquarters my whole entire life. Sigma Amaro's original headquarters was located at 8800 Stony Island in Chicago, Illinois. I am from Chicago and Chicago is in numerical order. So as long as you can count, you'll be fine. So I grew up in the 7600 block. So you're talking about less than 12 blocks away, one block east was where I grew up down the street from this headquarters that I knew nothing about. It never dawned on me until I saw membership that those letters were the same letters that I grew up seeing on a regular basis. Once I put the service together, once I put the sisterhood together, it was a no brainer for me. It was it was extremely simple. And so 
when I became a member, Ashley was two. And so she's lived the lifestyle of Sigma Amarillo with me, mm-hmm. right alongside with the community service. And it, I wouldn't change it. I think it's I've never done community service with anyone until I joined Sigma Amaro. I would do it through my church. But to me, that was church because they said this, what you do, this, what you do. I never looked at it through a different lens of community service for someone else outside of church. So to see it done in the community outside of a church based organization, it was big for me. And so it has not stopped. So I make sure that I instill that in Ashley and Amber to make sure that you give back. We're not rich at all. However, the little piece that I have, according you know, to the Bible, if I can help one person along the way, then my living is not in vain. And so if I leave that as my motto, I'll be just fine. Right. And so that's what we do. It's not a lot, but that hour or two hours that I give back to my community for whatever the service is, it, it moves us that much closer. And so if that's what it takes, then that's what we do. Right. I mean, time is money, too. I mean, you don't necessarily have to be rich because I know we always equate money to wealth. But I'm like time. Your time is just as valuable as anything. So like you say, even if you just give an hour, even if you just out handing out supplies to homeless people, I mean, it's still you giving back. And that could be just while you out and about throughout the city. Because I found myself doing that a lot. I mean, because I've served on organizations like I was a vice president of our North Lake Pioneers chapter when I was uh, at Bell South. I served on United Way. I've done a lot of community service work and I, even at the church too, just similar to you. But to me, I think I got my most fulfillment, even at all the mentoring things I've done and giving base when I've been out like with my wife and I see people out on the street and I go and get them gift cards and stuff so they can have meals to eat. Or if I'm going to Starbucks and there's a couple of homeless people outside, I get them coffee on top of getting them gift cards. So they, they themselves can have some enjoyment out of getting some coffee out of Starbucks. Right. And I have to depend on somebody's giving them a handout. So no, that's no, yeah. Time is just as valuable as actual dollar amounts itself. Agreed. And you actually kind of answered one of my other questions. It was going to be why Sigma Gamma roll over the other sister fraternities. This it's the sisterhood and it's the community service. Community service is a big piece. And so it's okay if I, you know, if I just want to write a check and just throw it at it, but it's a difference when I get in there and I see the meat of it. And so when I'm physically next to someone who doesn't have and I have and I can give, it's a difference to me to take my time and to give to someone else who don't know me from a can of paint. I think that means more to me than writing a check because anybody can write a check if they have a check to write. But on right. the flip side, for me to give my time and, and my talent to someone in need, then that's what it is. It, it, it's a sacrifice. And whatever that sacrifice looks like, if it's within my means, then I'm OK with giving it. And see, that's what's that's what's important. That's the one thing I try to get people to understand, too, including some of the older generation, because I'm the older generation believe that some of them, like especially ones I grew up around, if I can buy you something or I made sure that you had, you know, clothes on your back or stuff, that was my means. So, no, I was like I said, so. Yes, if, to buy somebody something and to purchase something for them, give them money. That is a signification of some form of love. But to me, when you actually give time and actually take them to places and give your time of that person, that means it's genuine. Because like you say, anybody can write a check. But if I take time to spend time out with you to show you how to do something, to walk you somewhere, or just to sit down and have a conversation with you to figure out, you know, how can we do things differently? Or even just what your struggle is. I mean, it shows that you actually care about the individual and the struggle that they're actually going through. Just sharing your story is, is valuable to someone else. 
right. hearing your story. And that's the biggest thing I ask people to be, just be honest about who you are and the things that you had to deal with in the past, because you never know who you might be a blessing to. Because exactly. some things that you have gone through, it might be a benefit and a blessing to somebody else who's going through that and battling that same thing, but they themselves don't know how to get out of it. But you faced it, you fought that giant and you beat it. Right. Even though it was hard for you, but you beat it. You can tell that to somebody else and help them to progress forward. Absolutely. Totally agree. So next question for you. Yes. So since uh, it's incorporation in 1922 at Butler University and its foundation is built on enhancing the quality of life within the community, involving your public service, your leadership development, education and youth. What will you do further to push that for your sisters in the southeastern region if you're given an opportunity? Okay, Um, great question. One of my um, initiatives um, that I call them, my initiative, I have um, a roadmap. And so the roadmap is a play on my current position as the Georgia area coordinator um, is what we call it. But in other terms, it's the state representative um, for Georgia for uh, for the sorority on my roadmap is communication, because what I found throughout my travels throughout the state, because right now I oversee 14 graduate chapter alumni chapters and 20 undergraduate chapters. So throughout my travel on my roadmap for the state of Georgia. What I've seen is the communication. Everybody, you know, is in route to a degree or everyone um, on the alumni level has a degree, a minimum of a bachelor's degree uh, requirement. The communication piece sometimes is missing. So from my undergraduates is, yes, we have an advisor. Yes, we have a mentor. Yes, we have a advising graduate chapter. But sometimes they hear me, but they're not listening to me. So we need to bridge the gap of the communication barrier that we have as women and on the various levels from alumni to undergraduate. We need to listen to our undergrads and say, hey, if this is what you need, let's figure out how we get there. And they can give you their views. You give them their views and you meet in the middle to make sure that we're getting them. I can hear you now. (laughs) All right. It it goes in and out. Yeah. um, What I was saying with the undergraduates, a lot of times they tell us what they need. And we'll mm-hmm. throw money at it versus throwing the body at it. So what we have to do is to make sure that we bridge that gap to make sure if someone's, if our undergrads say, I need help with blank, let's not just write a check for what blank is. Let's get in there and figure out what that looks like. Let's write this down. Let's get our plan laid out and give them the physical help that they need. You know, if we, it's a promotion on social media for us helping you to design the, um, the flyer. Let's Mm -hmm. post that flyer, not just say, "Okay, yeah, if you need a company, let me put you in contact with somebody. Let's get in there and show them how we are developing that. And nine times out of 10, that undergrad is going to be more tech savvy than we are. So you're going to learn at the same time that you're giving information. You're going to be getting information. So on this roadmap, it's a two way street. So we need to make sure that we're listening and we're hearing at the same time. So that communication piece is going to be major um, for us as women and for us from an undergraduate to a graduate level to make sure that we hear and listen to what it is that they need. And then we effectively give them what it is that they need for them to be successful, because the undergraduate is the lifeline for the sorority. If we not continue to get members on the undergraduate level and bridge that gap to the graduate level, there will be no Sigma Amaro, there will be no sororities, there will be no fraternities, brotherhood, sisterhood, because it'll be lost because you have nobody that's going to regenerate what we have. 
once we die off, then what happens? If there's nobody here to take the stand, there's not going to be anybody in the stand. So we have to make sure that we keep those bodies in those seats. But we want to make sure that they want to be in them seats. We just can't say, oh, you're here now. Figure it out. You're here now. Let me teach you what I know. You teach me what you know. And let's get to a common ground to make sure that we're moving forward. So that communication piece is going to be major. Outside of that, the mentorship, when you mentor somebody, I don't want you to pair them up because you're close in age. I want to pair them up based on if your goal as an undergraduate member is to be a nurse and this person is a nurse, let's put you in the same arena to make sure that I can give you the experience that I have on this side of the fence. You give me what you're learning in a classroom and let's meet in the middle to make sure you get where you're trying to go. I don't want to pair up somebody to mentor somebody. If I'm a paralegal and you speak nursing, we don't talk the same language. I can tell you as a parent, but you have no children. We we have nothing in common. So right. there's a, there's a disconnect. So I want to make sure that we are mentoring the ladies on a level that they need to be mentored on. I don't want to just put someone with someone for the sake of being together. I want to put you somewhere to make sure that you're going to be advanced as an individual. That's Almost like an apprenticeship. Just like one. So, and that's going to be major for them, for, for them to grow and understand that the sisterhood needs you, but you also have to understand that you're here for an education first. Mm-hmm. So as long as we're putting those pieces together, I think we're going to be okay. The, the last piece on my roadmap is stewardship. So what happens is a lot of times a person will become a member of an organization, but they don't stay. Something happens along the way. And usually what happens is it's a communication piece that we've already addressed, but then it's going to come down to a financial piece. So for my stewardship is what does that look like after induction? How do I keep you financially active on this roadmap to make sure that you can maintain the financial responsibilities for a member of Signia Road? Because you have, you know, you have dues to pay annually and they're not cheap. But on the flip side, what does that look like? Are we saving money instead of buying uh, fingernails and, and bundles of hair and accessories and going to parties? Are we putting something back? Are we investing in ourselves and are we investing in our um, our education to make sure that we have some money set to the side? When right. you get your refund check, are you applying it correctly instead of, you know, paying for your school and your books and you go out and you have a good time and in a month you're broke? What does that look like? So we have to get the basis of what does that look like and how how do I progress you from that refund check? to next year to make sure that you're financial every year and what that cycle looks like. So that, that financial piece, that stewardship piece to make sure that you are financially stable going through this because everybody is not a starving college student. That's foolishness that they like to pass on to you. I won't claim that because I was never a starving college student. Never. I've I've never had a bowl of uh, ramen noodles ever. It was a choice. Oh, oh, because I'm like, yeah, yeah, because I had a ramen. <laughs> I'm not eating it. I'm not eating that. It's packed with sodium. I'm not having, I'm not adding hot sauce. I'm not putting cheese in it. I'm not putting seasons. I'm not doing those things. But it was a choice for me. So okay. the same time I went to the grocery store, because I was introduced to Kroger when I got to the South, never heard of a Kroger in my life. So when I went to Kroger, I said, hmm, if, if this costs this much, but this costs this much, that's a choice if I, but I don't want that. Let's, choices. So I'm making sure that I'm making better choices with the same amount of money. I want to make sure that my choices are correct and line that up 
with my health as well. So it is a choice. I, I, I've never had a new one. Don't plan on. <laughs> They're not all that bad now. You know, you got to doctor them up a little bit. <laughs> no, my kids love it, but that's a choice. That's a choice. They love them. No, it way. is. <laughs> you said you came down. You saw cross. So did you go to a Piggly Wiggly? No, we didn't. We didn't have that. We had a um a chain called Jewel. J- not about when you got down here to Georgia. Yeah, when I got here, I went. I asked the ladies on campus. I said, "Where's the grocery store? You know, where's Jewel?" And they looked at me like Jewel. What? Yeah, Jewel. Yeah. Like what's that? And I was like, so where do you buy food? And they was like, oh, Kroger. And so I looked at it. And I said, what you call that? They said, Kroger. I said, no, that's K. Roger. And they looked at me K. like, Roger. <laughs> I'm an education major. <laughs> to me, that's K. Roger. And so we laughed about it. But then when I went in there, I was like, oh, I mean, it's the concept's kind of same. Okay, let's go. And so I've been in Kroger ever since. You know, I, I am a Kroger uh, shopper. I, I am very uh, loyal to the brand. Public, yeah. you know, um, public's expensive. My wife loves public. Public is expensive. Public have I don't know if it's in the bulbs that they're brighter, or you know the person who takes the groceries to your car. Where Kroger be like, you got it, you can yes. do it on your own. <laughs> so I look at Kroger. I mean, I look at Publix is almost like the Chick Fil A. So Kroger, you go in, like you said, you want to put the Kroger, the Piggly Wiggly, the Winn-Dixie, all them places like that. Yeah, you on your own. It's every man for themselves, every woman man for themselves. But you go in the Publix, you get that. that I guess it's what you're paying extra for, that loving yeah. and the feeling. Yes. Welcome. Okay, thanks. Right. I'm, going, I'm coming anyway. You ain't got to say nothing. But. Right. <laughs> so being a part of your sisterhood, what does it mean to be a part of Sigma Gamma Rho? It, it gives me joy on a daily basis just to, to wear the brand because the brand is everything. You know, when you when I go out in public and some, you know, I met a lady uh, earlier this week. Actually, I was going to the post office and every day I wear something. Sigma Emerald, the side of my glasses are Sigma Emerald, you know, my top is Sigma Emerald, you know, my all Sigma Emerald. Everything, it's a brand. And I, I am grateful for the brand because it brings along with me the leadership that I never saw in myself. So to be around women who, A, I don't know because I don't have uh, biological sisters. So I don't, I didn't know what that looked like. I didn't even know how. Ooh, this Zoom. This yeah. Zoom. So it, it's a brand. All right, let's start from right there. It's a brand. Everywhere you go, you have on Sigma Gamma Roll. Yes. So um, like this week, I was going to the post office and I met a lady just because I had on a shirt. And so she talked about, you know, different things that she wanted to see in the community. And we talked about Greek life and anything such as that in between. But she would have never said anything to me because she, too, because I'm a black female, because I had on glasses, she had on glasses. None of that. She spoke to me based on the brand. And mm-hmm. so I have to take that that understanding, the loyalty, the sisterhood, the dignity that I wear. When I put those letters on, I understand that I'm representing the brand. And so I have to be concerned. I'm very cognitive when I when I leave my house. Do I look acceptable to Sigma Amaro? Do I smell, <laughs> you know, decent? I don't want to go out like, oh my gosh, she smells weird. You know, I have to be concerned about everything that I do. It's not just about Tony anymore. Mm-hmm. It's about Sigma Amaro because I put on the brand. People who work for Nike, they're concerned about making sure their Nikes are clean when they go out. It's a brand. And I have to make sure that I represent the brand on a daily basis. So with with the sisterhood that I represent, the organization that I represent, the leadership that I represent, I'm very concerned that I represent the brand and my organization to the best of my ability because I understand 
that everybody's watching. It's not Tony. Mm-hmm. It's Sydney Amaro. And so I'm concerned about that. And I make sure that I, I make my founders uh, proud as well as my current uh, sitting uh, officers. I have to make sure that everybody is seeing Tony in the best light that Tony can be represented in. And it's not just me. I have to represent the brand. And so I'm grateful for that. I am. Sidney uh, Amaro brought out leadership that I never saw in myself. I was okay with being just the educator. Oh, not the educator, just the paralegal. I'm okay with being just that. Mm-hmm. But it was not just that. Sidney Amaro said, no, 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 you're more than that. Let's bring out, you know, you might be good enough to do this. So when I started on the local level, I started out as the financial secretary. Mm-hmm. Never applied for the position. I was given that position like, hey, you know, I think that this would be a good position for you because someone else saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. So outside of being the financial secretary, I became the secretary. Outside of the secretary, I became the community service chair as well as the fundraising chair. So constantly moving in, a, in more and more leadership and more responsibilities. Outside of that, I've served as the president of my local chapter the vice president of my local chapter, bringing in record numbers as far as new members, uh, reactivations, and transfer students from our undergraduate um, chapters that we oversee, as well as uh, movement reactivating members who have been who've been inactive. The first position that I applied for for the uh, region has been my current uh, Georgia area coordinator position. So being the state rep, I had no experience. Mm-hmm. I completed the application. I, I gave what we call our re, our uh, sorority resume. I completed that and made sure that I, I fit the bill. And am I ready for that type of responsibility? Am I making sure that I'm still Ashlyn Amber's mom? Am I still a paralegal? Am I still a server? I still have a full plate, but can I add something more? Am I to the end of my rope? And I wasn't at the end of my rope. So I said, okay, let's take on something else. I, I believe that I've done a good job. I have completed the tasks that were set before me from my regional director and from the current undergraduate chapter coordinator. What has been asked of me, I have delivered. I believe that I've delivered well. And if I haven't, I don't believe that they will hold back and tell me that I didn't. So for me, the next thing would be, you know, what's next? What's, right. Where can I lend my services next? And so to me, that was undergraduate chapter coordinator. And I mean, it also helps to show that you've been leading by example the whole time anyway. Yeah. So when you are asking somebody to do something, it's not something that you wouldn't have done yourself. So you are stepping up to be just that a leader. Yes. So like not do as I say, not as I do. Right. Exactly. I'm in there with you. I'm not going to send you out there to the wolves. I'm going to stand right there next to you because we're going to go together. Right. So how does what you all do flow over into politics and community based upon your foundation? Um, we, we flow hand in hand because what takes place in our state affects our sorority. Mm-hmm. So, um, personally for us, when COVID, um, first happened, we were in the middle of our membership, uh, intake process. We was like, Whoa, because our bylaws are not set to do anything virtual. Right. Everything is in person. So now we have to wait, halt. Um, wait a minute, let's recollect. Let's figure out what this looked like. We need to keep you safe for one. And so when the schools closed, that forced us to say, okay, wait a minute, let's relook at our bylaws. What are we not equipped for? Uh-oh. Mm-hmm. Let, what platform can we still see people? We can still, quote, reach people. 
and make sure that the membership information that transfers is what needs to take place. And so it, to me, it put us in a position that forced us to learn something new versus doing everything status quo. For that, I'm grateful, you know, and, and because COVID, you know, oh, it's terrible. It's one is, oh my God, I hate it. No, it, it pushed us to learn something new about ourselves. It pushed right. us to learn and say, hey, we've been doing this mom and pop operation for so long. Let's learn something new. Let's mm-hmm. figure out how we can still reach our membership base, how we can still connect with uh, ladies who want to be members of the organization. But then let's do it virtually. It's forced us to say, hey, you know, you have a regional conference where you're looking at a thousand members to be in Jacksonville, Florida. Instead of being there, let's figure out how we can do it. Everybody sitting at their house. Whoa, let's figure this thing out. So it's pushing us to learn what we didn't know before. But in the same token, it's making sure that we follow our state and um, our regional bylaws as far as um, listening to our current sitting president, whatever that looks like. And then trying to navigate between your. okay. yeah, I know. I know (laughs) it's always during good times, too. Oh, my God. Yeah. Trying to trying to navigate, listening to your um, your sitting officers as far as the uh, current president, the current governor, making sure we listen to the CDC, make sure we listen to um, World Health Organization, make sure we're doing the necessary things that are mandated to us as an individual, as a human, but also making sure that our organization is moving along in the same path and we're being safe. But we're not losing the fact that our members are not connecting with us. So we're doing everything virtual now, but we're doing it within a a parameter that we were not used to. And we had not been on this side of the fence before, but we're on this fence now together. Right. I mean, the biggest thing, too, is that I guess companies should have learned, but they should have learned a long time ago is to meet people where they are. And especially for a sister or brotherhood, I mean, because most kids nowadays, where do they live? They all live on their phone. You take their phone away from them. It's just, that's their lifeline. They're, <laughs> they can't operate without it. No. So to go virtual is actually, like you say, biblical. Do you like, you know, Jesus, you go to where the people are. Yep. Instead of as opposed to trying to make them come to you, you meet no. them and you can connect that way. Yeah, totally agree. And I mean, it's a good thing, too, because I see a lot of what you all do, not just in Sigma Gamma Rho, but in other fraternity, well, system brotherhoods and what they do around the community, because and it's a good thing because it shows representation out there and that you all actually care about what takes place in the community, because what affects the community affects the brother and sisterhood, too, as a whole. Absolutely. Absolutely. So if you don't have if the schools are down or people don't have access to work, I mean, dues can't get paid. Uh, people are fighting depression, so they need to rely on their sisters and their brothers to help them go through all those those mental states. Absolutely. And then also to help them redefine themselves. Like, okay, what businesses I can get into? What new things can I use or, or tools I can use to help me push towards another avenue that I never would have considered before? Agreed. Totally agree. And we've, we've done that. The We have a um, a mental health piece that we rolled out about two or three years ago. And it's more of what is what does the QPR um, question per se uh, persuade response? What does that look like? Because a lot of times it's a stigma in our community, um, being the black community, that we don't talk about death. We don't talk about mental health. We don't talk about anything that affects you in such that you strong and you black and you go and you fight the power and you just kind of keep moving. And you, you got to go to the altar. Inside, you like, <laughs> Uh huh. 
<laughs> and so you're dying on the inside. Yep. And so we had to take a look and say, hold on, hold on. We're dying at record numbers. But nobody's talking to us about that because we're strong and we're black and you fight now and you, mm, but I'm hurting on the inside. Yep. And what does that look like? So we went through um, a whole series of um, QPR to the point where people were saying, okay, wait a minute. I, that's, that's, that's deep. You know, we ain't never talked about that. We, why haven't we? Right. Why haven't we? Because we got to get comfortable with asking, are you okay? And, right. and I really care. If you're okay, like I don't want to, you good, right? Not saying you good, right? Right. Versus saying, how are you? You know, what does that look? And then looking at person and say, you know, I care about how you feel, and you know, if there's something that I can do to make that better, then talk to me. And listening. Yep. And it, it it comes across, and you never know what life you can save. So what we added to our membership, um, once a person becomes a member. We kind of take them through that and say, hey, this is going to be a whole new world for you. This is going to look totally different. So let's have these conversations about mental health. What does that look like? And so we meet you within um, it's within 30 days of your induction. I come right back because I'm I'm a certified QPR trainer now. We come right back in there and say, hey, this would be a whole new world for you. Let's talk about that. How solid is your mental? Let's think about what does this look like on a campus, in your home, with your parents, with your spouses? What does this look like? Let's talk about that. Okay. Yeah, I need uh, the Jeopardy music. <laughs> <laughs> but no, um, what I was saying for the sorority after induction within 30 days as a um, certified QPR trainer, I go right back in there and I meet with the ladies and we have conversations across the state of Georgia. We do it across the region. Um, to make sure that our, our undergraduate and graduate members understand that this is going to be a whole new world for you. Let's minimize the risk for the sorority to make sure that we protect our brand all the way um, until it is no longer. But on the mental side, how are you doing as an individual? Are you okay? Here are resources that are necessary. Here is a sisterhood that is invested in your mental health. What does that look like? And we're, we're personable with it. So most of those trainings until COVID-19 have been in person. Okay. So being able to, to touch that person and say, hey, you know, I, I've been there. You know, what, what does that look like? All of us deal with mental illnesses on some type of level. You, you got to be concerned about that because if you think that, oh, I'm just okay. N- n- no, you're not. You know, for yourself as a divorcee, hey, that, that takes, a, that's like, oh, whoa. So, <laughs> I mean, so okay, now it's bad. <laughs> I, I know it's, you know, it's like everybody's been forced to go to Zoom, but it's, and I tell you, my internet connection is not the issue. No, I know for my company, we use uh, WebEx. Well, yes, uh, we do too. Yeah. And so we use Microsoft Teams and we have never had a concern. Not, not speaking for the brand, like I'm not a representative. However, that's what my company uses and we have not had a problem. But Zoom, uh, uh, so yeah, from what I understand. Um, yep. Yeah, there she goes. <laughs> yeah. So, I, you know, I need to look into WebEx because I'm like you because we use WebEx where I work at and it's like we never had any delay or lag like that. And like every Zoom call I've been on, if it's over a certain amount of time, mm-hmm. it starts to do this. Absolutely. And I mean, it's it's for everybody. I don't care if you're sitting in the office somewhere and you're sitting on an actual DS3 connection. <laughs> it's still bouncing. We can be sitting on a 5G cell tower. It's going to happen. Yeah, it's bouncing. <laughs> 
but no, yeah, to speak on a mental, I mean, that's a good thing too, though, to talk about mental health. And I, I keep reemphasizing it because I think that's the biggest problem that we see right now, especially with the marches, is that you've been forced to find out and sit down to yourself and have your own collective conscience. And you found out you didn't like what you saw when you sat at home. So now you want to get back out to the norm that you complained about before exactly. because you can't handle the new norm of actually sitting down and finding out who you are as an individual. Do you like you? Right. Especially now in the black community, like you, we don't say nothing at all. You all right? Yeah, I'm good. But when you go home and you start crying because you got problems in relationships, you got problems at work, you got financial issues, you got problems with your kid's mom or your kids are there. They're stressing you out and you don't know how to deal with that because you got your own problems. So I'm trying to deal with their problems. I mean, we have all kinds of issues. We need an outlet sometimes. We need somebody that we can sit down and talk to just to do like a mental dump and get it out refresh ourselves, meditate, and then start over from scratch. But we need people that can handle that as well, too. Right. Not, it, not, not, go ahead. That's where we come in at, because another thing that we don't talk about as Black people is counseling. Right. A counselor? Oh, me? I ain't crazy. I don't need no counselor. I don't need no psychiatrist. I don't need... Yes, you are. Yes, you are. You're a whole nut. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're a whole nut. <laughs> yeah. And he or she is trained for it, because I've never seen a psychiatrist or a counselor that does not have a counselor. Mm-hmm. Everybody has somebody that they go to that they trust with this type of information and they do a dump on a regular basis. Why don't we? Right. Ain't nothing wrong with you. You don't go nowhere. You sit out, you're telling people your business. What happened in this house stays in this house. No, no, I need some help. And and so it was like, what the what? And I know for me, my um, my spouse and I, we went to counseling three times, premarital counseling. Counseling within the first year, counseling in the third year. I said, all right. Third counselor, the first and the third were awesome. And so I should have listened to the first because had I listened to the first, I wouldn't have got married. However, hindsight 2020, um, the the third counselor, what he did, um, he made me look into myself and say, how much longer are you going to do this? How much longer are you going to put up what you don't want to put up with. So who are you going to choose? And so as a, as a Christian, I kept thinking, who are you going to choose? You're going to choose this or you're going to choose this. So how many more days are you going to be unhappy based on doing what somebody else wants you to do? Maintaining the status quo for you to make sure that you are Sora Robertson. Sora Robertson is going to do and she's going to do. No, no. You know what? Tony Gordon is going to be just fine and she's going to be just fine. You know what? And I can do this by myself and I can't because my mental means everything to me. And I was going in a spiral downward and it was to a point I was like, I, this is not healthy for me. So if it's not healthy for me, how healthy is it for my children? How healthy is it for my household? So Zoom, zoom, zoom. You back up now. You back up. Okay, all right, all right. Go zoom, go zoom. (laughs) But I had to think about it from a standpoint of if my mental is not solid, what does that do to my children? Right. What does that do to my household? Now I have a grandchild. I don't want to come off like I'm just going to stay here, you know, and so we're all going to smile and we're going to smile for the camera. And then, but on the inside, I wasn't happy. So I said, let me do what's happy for me. And if being happy is being by myself for a period of time, let me get back to me, then this is exactly what I needed. So the COVID reset was right on time because my divorce was final January the 14th, 2020. 
Okay. COVID, COVID happened two months later. I was like, reset, <laughs> reset. And so I had to think about that. And it gave me the opportunity to say, if I was in this house with this man, somebody's catching a case. <laughs> so let me get out of here. And so the timing. I'm going to have to edit that out in case something happened. <laughs> no, no it, the timing was perfect. Like it was, it was crazy. Like I could not, I couldn't imagine going through COVID in a household where I wasn't happy. Right. It, it was, it was mentally draining and then trying to run a campaign and then still being an area coordinator and still trying to be a paralegal and being customer service and being a server. And then I was, I was drowning. I was like, ah, wait a minute. What is the key to my unhappiness? Let's get to that. And so through mm-hmm. counseling where I was supposed to be bridging my marriage, <laughs> I found me and said, whoa, whoa, whoa. This is not for you. Right. It's okay, it's okay to be out of here. And so I got out of there. And so I, I, as a paralegal, I did my own divorce. And so um, I was out of there. It was the best decision. And so I'm comfortable with that. I am. I'm comfortable in my decision. Okay. I'm waiting for your uh, video to catch back up. There it is. All right. There we are. All right. My last, uh, yeah, I guess it's getting closer to time. So my, my last and my final question for you, which is, has been great. Yes. That's why, and see, that's why I like conversations like this because typically like the podcast I've sat on before, it's like you have to get something said and done in, in like 20 minutes. Okay. So you really got to drive your point in. And so for me, I like to hear people just talk. Like, because a lot of people, their programming conditions, especially running on any campaign, it's like you got to get your, you got to hit your key points out. You right. got to tell people why to choose you. You got to tell them what makes you awesome. And then that's it. Right. And I don't really get a chance to figure out who you are because you really could be an evil person. Right. And I'm sitting here, got you on my whole, <laughs> on my platform. <laughs> <laughs> and you're an evil person. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, I mean, this is, no, this has really been good. And this is why I like having people on just so they can talk in. Show people who they really are as an individual on top of what that would bring into them being in this campaign and who they would be in their next position. So last question for you. So how did becoming a mother affect how you look at sisterhood and brotherhood and the community as a whole when pledging with an organization that prides itself on family and community involvement? Because, you know, when we become parents, it changes our complete perspective on how we used to do things versus how we see them now. Yeah. I think for me, becoming a mother as early as I did, it wasn't ideal. But then Ashley was only two when she was on campus with us. So I had a team of sisters that I didn't know. You know, I'm new to the organization. They knew to me. You know, my child is new to the world. And mm-hmm. so what does that look like? And so having a, a foundation with my sorority, with my sisterhood has set the bar for me to say, hey, it's OK. You know, we, we have programming that we, we teach teens how to prevent pregnancies. Me being a teen mom, you know, I was I was 18 when I had Ashley. But on the flip side, you know, I hear a lot of people say, no, you know, Planned Parenthood, they're they're this, they're that. No, for me, they were awesome. They were awesome. They taught me what birth control looks like because we didn't talk about that in my house. Birth control, you abstain. Right. Whoa. Okay. (laughs) But this hormone is like, (laughs) and so what do you do with that? For me, Planned Parenthood was like, hey, if you're going to do this, let's exercise this 
you know, the right way, you know, and they, they went through classes of how to use condoms and how to use birth control and what that looks like and pregnancy tests and all that kind of stuff. So for me to have my child, when Ashley was in high school, she did a program and says, tell me about your sexuality. And I had to be honest with myself and say, okay, Tony, are we going to give her the edited version? Then mommy only had sex with daddy. And what happened was we were married and we lived in this picket fence. No, no. I had to come with the real and say, okay, yes, I messed up. I I did. I messed that all the way up. I had, um, and I went through the gamut because by this time, Amber was already there. Mm -hmm. And so I had to be honest with myself and say, I don't want you to have this picture of your mother that we don't, this is not what we do. This is what we do. I messed up. Let me show you how I messed up so many times. And I'm grateful that God forgave me each and every time. I've had um, two abortions. I've had a stillbirth. I had a set of twins that passed away. I had um, one miscarriage and I have two live children. So you think sex. I'm fertile myrtle. I'm your girl. I said, but let's figure out what that looks like. Let me tell you how I messed that up. And then I went through, I should have paid attention. I should have been more careful. I should have been able to, you know, see right from right. And so I told you where I messed up and I told you what I seen in myself. But never one time has I had, have I had a sorority sister that said, oh my God, why would she ever do that? That is terrible. So to bring that full circle, yes, I messed up. Yes, I had a child when I was 18. But at the end of the day, for the sorority to say, okay, now let's, let that be your speaking point. Let that be your platform to say, hey, y'all, I'm not telling you don't. Hey, undergrads, Miss Tony is not perfect. Let me tell you what I did wrong. And let me tell you how I fixed it. And let me tell you how I plan to help you not make the same mistakes that I did, because here are your resources. But that's only through being taught and going through what I went through. So you can understand that I am just as human as you are and I make the same mistakes. And so in the middle of the night when the phone call rang, that was Miss Tony too. At the end of the day, I'm old enough and and I'm mature enough to say I messed up. And so through my mistakes, let me show you how I'm transparent and I'm relatable enough for you to say, not to say, well, Miss Tony never did anything wrong. Yes, I messed up, but I want to show you where I messed up how you cannot mess this thing up. And let me show you the programming that the sorority has in place to help you not make the same mistakes so you can be greater than I was. So the sisterhood has helped me see myself Mm -hmm. transparent, but then also figure out what that programming and the resources look like in order for others not to come behind me and make the same stupid mistakes that I made because they were stupid. They were my fault. I take ownership. They were dumb, but not to give in to your hormones. Um, not going into it without knowledge. Yes, I understand what that feels like. But at the end of the day, let me correct that and let me put some parameters in place to make sure if I choose to do blank, let me do it correctly. Right. So I And I think that's a a good thing too because I'm a big advocate for it's kind of hard for you to tell me and coach me on something if if all the roads you walked down was paved and, and freshly <laughs> asphalt. Yeah. When I've walked down p- p- uh, pebbled streets barefoot with no clothes on, so that's no, that's a that's a good thing because at least that way, like you said, you have evidence. You've actually been in that situation, and you can coach them and tell them how not to put themselves in that same situation. And if they do, 
this is how you correct a mistake and get yourself out of it. Absolutely. So we're at that hour. And I want us to want your video to catch up so people can get the last thing of you so Zoom can act right. And yeah, there we go. Okay. All right. So let's end it as telling people, tell everybody about, you know, how you want to close it out. Okay. And how if they want, if you're taking donations towards your platform, how they can do that and how they can get in touch with you and how they can follow you. Okay. Absolutely. Uh, you can find me on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Hashtag your driving force one nine two two, as well as my website. You can find me at driving force one nine two two. And so um, follow me there. I also have cash app and um, PayPal. Also your driving force one nine two two at gmail.com. If you want to send emails and any type of donations are greatly appreciated towards this campaign to be the next undergraduate chapter coordinator for the sophisticated southeastern region of Sigma Gamma Rho Sorority Incorporated. Now, if you could close it out with some positive words, what would you say positively towards your sisters and your brothers that's connecting with your sisters? Absolutely. For my brotherhood and my sisterhood through, um, how about now? How about now? It's always a key time. It's always, <laughs> always a key time. Always. I'm going to do like they say in the South, they, you know, they ain't nothing but the devil. It ain't nothing but the devil. It ain't nothing but the devil. He don't want to see no good confidence. <laughs> All right, now, positive thoughts. Positive thoughts for my um, for my brothers and sisters and greet them in, in this life that we lead. This roadmap is not just for undergrads. This roadmap is just not for ladies. Communication, mentorship, and stewardship is something that we all should be striving forward to. If we communicate better and learn how to hear and listen simultaneously, we'll be better in our brotherhood and our sisterhood to make sure that we listen to our mentors, our mentees, to make sure we bridge the gap for that communication piece to go forward and make sure that we are always saving for a rainy day. That rainy day is coming. I guarantee you that. But at the end of the day, will you come out on the bright side? If as long as you can answer that question, you'll be fine. Amen to that. And I want to say, you know, blessings to all those fighting this pandemic, to all those who have lost their income, to those who are still taking care of family members, trying to find out where the next meal are coming from. Just hold faith and hold steadfast. You don't have to believe. You can believe in whoever you want to believe in or what you want to believe in. But I ask you just to believe in yourself and trust that if you trust in yourself and trust in making sure you're taken care of, then that light you have within you will exude out to others and you will make it through this trying time. So you all stay safe, stay blessed, stay in, do not go to a gym. Please don't go to a gym. Um, I've been seeing a lot of people out on um, restaurants sitting out on the patios. Please have some masks on because I'm not seeing people with masks on. And I understand, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a norm that you don't really want to face, but, Not only are you protecting others, you're protecting yourself and you're protecting your family members. So you all have an awesome weekend. Y'all stay safe out there. It's Friday, so have a good Friday. Go outside. It's beautiful outside. Go for a walk. Get some fresh air. If you need to go to the park, go to the park. But Make sure you keep your social distance. So you all have a great and blessed rest of your day. All right.